Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to another Pip Panther Rants, another Sports News Podcast. Vlad Harris, your host, brought to you by the Sports Drink. Happy uh, Thursday, you guys. Valentine's is coming up. Uh, we got Super Bowl Sunday on the on the horizon. So that should top off the NFL. I guess XFL starting. There's, you know, that's coming up. What is that coming up anyway? The XFL starts actually a week after the Super Bowl. And let's see, it's they have a. It looks like they have a uh, TV deal with ESPN. I'm not sure how that league's going to go. I felt it had some momentum. Before the pandemic happened. And what's weird is that. People felt. There were some people that, that had some hot takes about the XFL at that, at that point. They felt it was trying to compete with the NFL. And I don't think that was the initial. Well back when Vince McMahon started in what was it, 2000 I think. He was trying to compete with it. But it just. It just never took off. This time around, with the, uh, you know, when, or that time around in 2020 when it started, I believe they just wanted to have a sustained league where, you know, just have a decent league that was sustainable. But unfortunately, uh, COVID happened and pretty much killed the league at that point. But it's coming back, and I think we would all love to see a league. Where the football is is sustainable, where we can you know we can just pop it on and watch it. Like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really take much in, interest in USFL. Maybe I'll watch the XFL. You know, it depends on you know what, what I'm doing. Of course, they have a they have kind of a an uphill climb because, you know, March Madness is around the corner. And we'll be watching basically, you know, of course, championship week and all that will be there. And they'll have to compete with that. And they're definitely not going to be able to compete with that unless they have a really compelling product. But you'd like to see a league where if, if some guys just didn't work out in the NFL, you'd like to see them have you know, another career elsewhere where they can play football and make money. And maybe you have prospects and certain players that got overlooked in, you know, in terms of the NFL. They get a chance to advertise themselves on the, in this league here. Maybe they get themselves another opportunity to play in the NFL. Because you definitely want that. I mean, there's a, it's a small percentage of guys that get to... Um, 
that get to stay on NFL teams from college. And with the NIL, with you know, with that happening with college football, they also now have an opportunity to make money while they're in college. You know, without any, um, you know, any type of NCAA sanctions. I mean, if they're eight, if they're eighteen and over, they should be allowed to make money off themselves. There's no excuse for that. But that's how the rules were set up. Personally, if I was XFL, I would try to do something where I would give athletes when they finish high school to come play in the XFL. Maybe skip college and go right into it. That's one thing I would offer, and they can develop from there. I mean, there's that oppor- I mean, there's that opportunity, and maybe put something in. Br- some sort of clause, maybe if it doesn't work out, they can go back to college football. Just, you know, give them give them plenty of options. Of course, there's all that, am, you know, professional, amateur roles, all that crap. But I think I've spent too much time talking about this because there's too much other stuff going on for us to even focus on this. Well, I mean, it's good for discussion. I mean, the Pittsburgh Maulers have changed their colors to black and gold, which I thought was kind of odd, but I'm not sure if that's going to if that's going to attract viewers. I mean, I mean, well, the Pittsburgh Power were, they were black and gold as well, and they they lasted a little while until eventually that arena, you know, that whole arena team you know blew up. I mean, there was, I mean, God, that was an odd time because we had the Maulers, I remember. Then we had arena football. We, I mean, that, I mean, this was way before um, the Pittsburgh Power. We had, you know, who was that other Pittsburgh arena team? Let me see. Let's Google that real quick. I forget who they were, but I remember... Oh, uh, let's see, another call. What is it? Yeah, the Maulers. Ah, the Pittsburgh Gladiators. That's what they were that's what I remember. And I will, I would always hear the commercials on the sports talk shows and sometimes even on the uh you know, thing. Then you have the Pittsburgh Lacrosse, you know, Arena Lacrosse. You had soccer with the Pittsburgh Stingers. And I believe you had the spirit as well, and that was the eighties. Uh, roller hockey, you had the Pittsburgh Phantoms. They played for a year. And those were some fun games, actually, the, uh, the the Phantoms. I went to a bunch of them. Then something happened with Roller Hockey International. I forget what it was. And Pittsburgh Power didn't... That franchise didn't restart. Because I do remember Brian Troche was on that team. I think he was player, he was player coach. And... I think also Elaine Lemieux was on that team, brother of Mario. But uh, so we get into some other stuff. I guess we can just get the you know the non pip related stuff out of the way since we're, we've, I've spent most of my time talking about it. The Super Bowl is here is coming up. In fact, let's look at that game because we need to. 
Uh, let's see, schedule. Yep. Now, what I'm trying to do is NFL scores. Ah, uh, here it is. Let's take a look at this. Currently, right now, the Eagles sit as a minus one and a half point favorite, 125 on the money line. Minus 125. Over under 51. Uh, the spread is plus one and a half. Money line is plus 105 for Kansas City. I have a feeling this game is going to go under. I heard this morning that 70, 70% of the money is going on Philly. So it doesn't really hurt to take the, the Kansas City money line if you're betting in the order plus one and a half. I think the Eagles' opportunity to win this game or chance to win this game, uh, they're going to have to start up like pretty much like how Seattle started against Denver back in that Super Bowl. They're going to have to come out hot and pretty much out of the gates blowing everybody away. Now, the Eagles are 10-9 against the spread and Kansas City 7-11-1 against the spread. That tells, that tells you all you need to know. But with the um, Jalen Hurts has, has had a, has been dealing with a, he's been dealing with a bum shoulder and Pat Mahomes dealing with a bum leg or ankle I should say. You know, I part of me thinks this this game goes under. I would love to see a Chad Henney Garner Minshew duel if both team players get hurt, but that may not happen. I do think the NFL would love to see, because you know about the scripts and stuff, they would love to see Kansas City win this. Kind of like the passing the torch from Braves and Mahomes. So Philly is going to have to come out like they did against the Giants. They're going to have to come out basically with a goal of putting someone in a casket. And that's, that's pretty much how Seattle came out, because I think... I'm sure the NFL would love them to see Peyton get that Super Bowl win, of course, right on the sunset, which she was able, which he wasn't able to do that year. In fact, that was I think it was another two years before he could. Yeah, because the next year I don't think they even made the playoffs, or they may have I forget who it was. Their um, Oswald was their QB, I believe. But the next, you know, the year after Peyton came back, they went to the Super Bowl, and of course. The defense was really the story in that game because they shut down Cam Newton. They frustrated him. And, I mean, I rewatched watched that game. And that, that game for Carolina was so winnable. It just, they had, you know, Cam had some passes dropped. Had some missed field goals, I believe. I know that they had one they at least missed. But uh, you know, if the NFL was writing a script, we got we get to see Andy Reid versus his former team in the Super Bowl. So you got that going for you. I've been pretty harsh on Jalen Hurts, but he pretty much well, he's proved me wrong on a lot of on a lot of things, and he just got better every game. And he's turned himself into a really good quarterback. Uh Mal Sanders. 
there's obviously a reason why Pitt was recruiting him hard out of high school. He's had pretty much a decent uh, football career, pro career. I mean, he's not as flashy as you know as some as others, such as Saquon Barkley. But he's a very productive, very good back. Um, receivers, you know, you got Travis Kelsey for Kansas City, and you got AJ Brown for Philly. Both guys have monster years. But as we look at their, you know, now if we look at Philly's losses, they lost to the Commanders, whatever. They lost to the Cowboys, and that's because they had Garner Minshew, and they struggled against the Saints. I mean, if, if there was a time that they, they, they were really going to struggle, those were times there to do it. And that's pretty much how it happens, and they've been pretty much been hot ever since. In fact, I think, wait a second. When did they lose this? Oh, they lost to them, yeah, late in the season. There was a time they were going to, you know, be cold. It was, I mean, it was then, but of course, Hertz was hurt. And now he seems to have found his rhythm. And they pretty much have had an easy, easy uh, path to the Super Bowl. Some people are talking about that, but I mean, would you not want them to win those games? I mean, somebody has to win them. So people complain about th- them having an easy path. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Not win those games? They won them, so there you go. Now the Chiefs, I mean, they 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 won their last five regular season games. Their last loss was, was against the Bengals and the Bills. You know, before that was the Bills. And they lost, you know, a fluke game to the Colts. That was way early in the year. They beat the Jaguars twice on 20, and that team was playing hot. As was the Bengals, although that was a sloppy game by both teams. People do complain about the officiating. But, yeah, this game was, this game was very, you know, hard to read. I mean, the NFC wasn't that strong this, this year. And like I said before, somebody has to win these games, and... The Eagles want them, so what do you want them to do? I mean, not win them. And Kansas City, obviously, may have had a tougher schedule, but at the same time, Pat Mahomes is hurt. I mean, a lot of those guys are banged up. And they're going to have to do a little bit more. I mean, if the Eagles take away Travis Kelsey, then who who else does Pat Mahomes get to throw to? I mean, those are just some things to think about. I mean, I, I see them probably running the ball more. Maybe, maybe with uh, Pacheco. Is, I guess that's how you pronounce his name. Maybe, maybe you go to him. But uh, Kelsey's gotten the bulk of the um, targets. So I'm not sure what else, you know. For the scaling, Juju, I mean... They're pretty thin on receiver. Whereas the Eagles, I mean, they are, they have Gamble and Sanders. So they have a pretty, and of course, Hurts running. Boston Scott, I mean, they have a pretty balanced running attack. I mean, they have a real, actually, probably a really good running attack. And as far as receiving goes... Uh, they haven't, you know, the, 
they've spread the ball around. I mean, A.J. Brown has only like uh, seven catches, 50 yards. Their lead receiver is Devonta Smith. He catches 97 yards. I'm not sure, you know, if you look at the numbers, you can see why the Eagles are the overall betting favorite in this. It's because they're healthy, and they haven't had to do much to pretty much, you know, just run the ball pretty much. So I believe they'll be, I mean, their offense will be challenged, but I don't know. I think the over under this is 51, as I said. I think that's your, that's got to be your, um, I think the under in the on the um, 51 total is probably your safest bet. Because more emphasis will be on defense in this game. Because Kansas City is going to have to play defense to stop to stop this group. That's why I think. Um, as far as prediction goes, uh, I think if I, the Eagles do win this game, it's not going to be a close one. If Kansas City wins, it's going to be it's going to be a close one. But I just, you know, I just don't see it this time around. So I got to go with feeling this one. And I'm going to go with a score of, hmm, I'll go with 24-7 is going to be the score of this game. That's my prediction for the Super Bowl. Now let's get the pit. Although I should have pit first because it's kind of, I, I was, you know, kind of an insult to their, um, to them. Now there's been some talk, debate, and some takes over pit hoops. Some say this isn't good basketball. It's luck, you know, it's fool's gold, whatever. I've seen some people, not just pit fans, but saying, you know, from other, you know, fan bases talk about pit schedule, who they've beaten. The ACC isn't good this year. And my th- argument is, as a pit fan, I don't care if the ACC is down. Do you not want Pitt to win these games in a down ACC? Because if Pitt was losing, losing these games in a down ACC, it'd be much more disastrous for us. Losing uh, John Hilly, the John Hilly was uh, a big blow. I hope whatever it is, he gets through it. What he's dealing with, and um, Dior Johnson not being there is a blow as well. I'm not sure if he suits up for Pitt, but I hope he gets the help that he needs and the resources he needs. Because he is a young guy, and no, ma- no matter where he goes, this whatever issues he's, he he has are going to follow him, no matter where he goes, unless he gets help. I mean, I really wasn't crazy about where the direction of the program was going under Capel at one point. You know, last year I was pretty much miserable. But, uh, you know, Pitt didn't part ways with him. And 
with the way the things are with the transfer portal NIL and stuff like that, you, it's probably best that they did keep him because they got because regardless of who they if they would have bought him out and replaced him, they would still be dealing with dealing with the same problems they had before. It's just a different coach. And now they're able to figure out this whole transfer portal thing. And if anything, Capel was able to find guys that were able to buy into what he was, you know, doing or wanted to do. And now you see these guys, they're now on the same, they're all, they're completely on the same page with each other. And on top of that, the coaching staff is playing to their strengths. Their strengths are shooting. And that's what they've been doing. And if there's any type of um, hidden blessing in all this, first of all, Pitt has never been, hasn't been really been known as a shooting team, a team that shoots a threes. It's always, our, our, identity, our identity has always been get the ball inside of whoever, whether it's Chevy Troutman, Dewan Blair, Levon Kendall, Aaron Gray, Talib Zana, Steven Adams, I mean, I can keep going on and spun off all these names. Gary McGee. That's kind of pretty much what our identity has been. Is pounding the ball inside. And we've always complained that our offense or whatever has never been attractive to shooting guards and or guys that want to shoot. But if anything, now our program is makes what, what we're doing makes this attractable to guys who love to shoot. Because we're just, I mean, they're just jacking up and drilling threes. And what's amazing about this is like, um, even when they're down, like, especially the uh, North Carolina game where they said the game is, where they made the comment that the game is going away from Pitt, they're losing control of the game or whatever. They weren't shy about shooting the three at, at that point. A lot of times you play conservative. They were still jacking the threes up. I mean, Nelly Cummings went down the court, boom. I mean, these guys aren't afraid. I mean, Mike Sabandi misses a dunk, which is a humiliating thing because it was a wide-open dunk. He gets the ball and calmly jacks up a three and hits it. And, I mean, it just... The, I mean, these guys are playing with a lot of confidence right now. I mean... They're going to play Florida State on Saturday at Florida State, so they have a chance to avenge their, you know, that loss, which turned out to be just a bad day for them. I mean, it was crazy because like Miami and um, even you know Wake, Miami and North Carolina, you thought that these 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 games were going away from Pitt. They were losing grasp of them. They just kept battling. Miami, they made some big defensive stops. Uh, the North Carolina game was was another one. Um, They let the play clock run down to almost zero. And I was like, why are they doing this? Because if they miss this shot, they're going to have to foul and they have no time, you know, you know, they're pretty much screwed. But Burton drew the foul and he shot two and they won the game. I mean, I wasn't crazy about it, but it was a gamble they took and it paid off. But yeah, they have Florida State, and after that they have they're at home against Boston College. They got a Tech, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Notre Dame, Miami. And yes, all those games are winnable and they're losable, depending on you know 
what kind of a shoe night they have. But they've made significant significant progress this year, and they got 10 ACC wins, the most wins they've had in a long time. And there's just a lot to feel optimistic about. Now, I have seen some people say that this isn't... Uh, what they're doing isn't sustainable. You know, this is something you can't do, you know, long term and whatnot. And true. But with with the way the NIL, the transfer portal, all that is, I don't think um, we're gonna. I think every year it could possibly be different. I mean, they, um, I mean, they, I wasn't crazy about how they were playing early in the year, and I didn't think they would get, get close to 20 wins because they were just, you know, losses to Michigan and West Virginia, and I guess, and, and a lot of their non conference games, they were just starting out really slow. I wasn't crazy about it, but, um, They've been on a rhythm ever since. And you can say it pretty much started when they beat uh, Northwestern pretty bad. Then they beat NC State. And, of course, they knock off Syracuse. They beat North Carolina by two. They knock off Virginia. I think once, I mean, they once those they started winning those games, they were, pull, they were closing them out. Their confidence just went through the roof. And if anything, you can say... Maybe they were just breaking in the new team because pretty much it's what it felt like. They were still trying to get familiar with each other. Staff was trying to figure out what was going to work. And I think that that's pretty much how that's going to be from here on out. But the staff, I think, is found is finding out what works. They're finding what the right recipe is to keep this going. And make it sustainable. And if it's if it's shooting good, I mean, that's how the NBA is now these days. People love to shoot now more than ever. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, throwing it to the big man inside, letting him you know draw fouls or whatnot. You can still do that, but you know today's guys they love to shoot the ball. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a with a two with a, with a two point jumper. Nothing wrong with slashing to the lane. I mean, Pitt still does all that. But uh, there's you know you got to have emphasis emphasis on shooting, and as far as defense goes, they're trying. I mean they are. I mean we I mean when Capel first came here, he did stress the need to play defense, and I'm sure he still stresses that to this day. You know he loves defense. He loves physicality. They still need to have that. But at the same time, they got to score points, and that's what they've been doing. So I do see good things for pit hoops. The way they've been, the way, I mean, they're just, they're playing together as a unit. And that's the key thing. They're playing together and they're all bought in. They're on the same page. I have no worries of them closing the season out on a good note. Um, Do I expect them to be in a tournament? Right now, I mean, the way things have been going the last few years, we haven't been in the tournament 
since Jamie Dixon left, and I really, you know, if we don't get to the tournament, I'm not going to be upset over it. I mean, if we get the, if it's NIT, it's NIT, whatever. I'm not, I'm trying not to get my hopes up too high. But at the same time, the 2000, 2001 team, if you remember, they finished 19 and 13, had that nice Big East tournament run. They set the tone for the next year and the years after. And if anything, worst case scenario, well, not really, you know, worst case, but I guess best positive case, worst positive case, I guess you can say, they set the tone for next season and for the rest of the way when they play in the ACC. I mean, that's what you want. And plus, you know, you don't want to go into the habit as other teams with dealing with dealing with buyouts, you know, buying out coaches and starting over again. I mean, look what look at look look what a mess Louisville is right now. Uh, Louisville is a big mess right now because you know Patino left for whatever reason, you know, because all that mess. Chris Beard comes in, or no, not Chris Beard. I'm sorry, Chris Beard coached the Texans, and he's you know he's fired. Um, Chris Mack, and they you know he just. They fire him when they ran, ran into some adversity. Kenny Payne's there, and that's a big mess. I mean, Louisville could, you know, I guess maybe take a loan from the bank and just buy out Kenny Payne and bring back Rick Patino because he's, you know, he's doing, looks like he's doing pro well Iona, and he's a coaching candidate. I think Rick, more than likely, if he does go anywhere, he probably goes back to the Big East and coaches. I think that's where he wants to go. That's his home. Because I know he wasn't too crazy when the big, you know, when everything broke up. If we did buy a capo last year, I don't know if we even get Sean Miller, as we were all hoping for. Xavier is in the Big East now, and that's obviously a better. That's some. That's a job you probably take over Pitt, given Pitt's Pitt's current state. You probably take the Xavier job. Even more. I think even if Xavier was in Atlantic 10 still, he would probably still take it. Because it's just a safer option. Given he was through an NCAA scandal and an investigation, I think he probably goes to back, back to where it all started, Xavier. But anyways, guys. Um, oh, yeah, one more thing. Uh, Jim Beheim actually said that uh, Pitt bought a team, and then he recanted. If you look at who Pitt recruited and they brought in... Pitt got some pretty good bargains if they did buy, if they did buy. I mean, they were smart shoppers. Yeah, they were smart shoppers. I mean, I'm I mean, if anything, I'm asking Capel for investment advice. I'm asking Jeff Capel, you know, it's still winter, but I think you know, springtime's around the corner. So barbecue season's coming around, especially if you're in Pittsburgh. I'm in Texas, so barbecue season is all pretty much year a year round thing. But if anything, I'm asking Jeff Capel, hey, you know, I want to buy some steaks, some ribs, and all kind of other meats and stuffs for you know for my cookouts. Where where's the best deals at? You know, where can I get some you know, you know, some really good you know New York strips, you know, some tomahawks, you know, some brisket, you know, ribs. You know, where can I get all this? I mean, I'm asking Jeff Cable where I can get eggs from. 
if that's the case. You know, if if they did, you know, buy, quote unquote, buy these guys. But I mean, everybody's. I mean, if everybody's buying teams, I mean, they're they're doing it in college football now more than ever. It's been done. NIL gives everybody an outlet, but you know, Pitt obviously evaluated these guys and brought them in. And whatever they did, I mean, it's whatever whatever formula they did or recipe they did, keep following it because I like to, I would love to see some more seasons. On top of that, Jeff Cable's forty seven years old. He's still young, and best part is you get to keep him around a lot longer, unless you know John Shire flames out at Duke and Duke circles back to Capel. Yeah, you have that to worry about. I don't think we we'll have to worry about Jason Capel going going anywhere or going back to North Carolina for that whole thing. But that whole situation itself, I believe, that was a buildup, I believe, from over the years. And he just let it out. I mean, he just, he's, you know, he, obviously he's pissed, he's pissed off. There's just a lot of history there, it seems, from when he played and how, you know, Matt Doherty. I remember when, I remember when Matt Doherty was there. And that, te- you know, that team fell apart and they brought, you know, that whole program was falling apart. They bring in Roy Williams from North Carolina to fix it. I think that was all built up from that. And my hope is that Capel moved on. Jeff, you know, Jason moved on from that. And it looks like that they did because the next week, next game against Louisville, they just pit, blew their... Basically, it beat the crap out of them. Anyways, Valentine's is coming up, guys, as you know. If you have a significant other, you know, send them flowers, if anything, whether it's at work. I mean, if they ha- I mean, if they're, I mean, if they're working somewhere, say, where there's a lot of, fe- you know, other female co-workers, um, I highly recommend send them flowers at their job. Because you send the flowers at their job, I mean it's a, I mean it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a, it could be a hen house, and you send your lady some flowers. She's gonna feel like the ultimate shit, basically, because her man sent her flowers or balloons or whatever, and all those other, all of her other female peers are just looking at her. Jealous, maybe. And she's high-stepping through the office. You know, she's happy as hell. And she's saying, my man sent me flowers. I mean, it's just a suggestion. It's always a good thing. That's what one thing I recommend to do. If worse comes to worse. If you don't have much else to think about, send her flowers at her job. I mean, you can send her to her home. That's good as well. But do it to her, send her office because when they all see, when they see her with those flowers, they're going to be, oh, you know, some will be, you know, oh, you're so lucky. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good high for them and you can't go wrong with it. It never fails. So that's just my Valentine's recommendation today, you know, of the day, a tip, you know, because if you don't want to do the whole expensive night out for dinner or whatever, because I know this weekend it's going to be nuts with everything. I say go for the flowers at the office. 
It always, it always never fails. Or balloons, whatever you want to do. I mean, you could send Tiff's treats. You know, the cookies are good, but, you know, you don't want to send your lady a whole dozen thing of cookies because that's, you know, because then she has to share the cookies with everybody. I mean, that's a good thing as well. I can say, you know, it's, it's actually not a bad idea because she can say, hey, you know, my boyfriend sent me a bunch of cookies. You guys want some, you know? I mean, there's just so many th- you know possibilities there. But yeah, if you're gonna send things, send them to, send, send them to her job because it always never fails. Anyways, guys, I'll end it here. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl and enjoy Hell to Pit because we got a game and it's eleven. And it's a twelve. It's a noon tip off, eleven a.m. If you live in my time, take care, guys. <laughs>